The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your word with a text like this, with a promise like this, that you are love. Lord, help us to believe this truth. Help us to see it, Lord, in the gospel. And help us to live it out, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you will bless this word into our hearts and minds. I ask, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, what you have for us this morning. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing our study in the book of 1 John as we deal with the subject of assurance. Um, in a time of so much uncertainty, it's so good to have rock-solid assurance. Assurance in regards to our relationship with God and the hope of eternal life. Um, so Throughout this book, John uses four different types of tests so that we could use it to see where we are in our relationship with God and the hope of eternal life. Do we have full assurance or do we have false assurance? Or if we don't know, we could use these tests to help us evaluate where we are in our faith. So the, the, one of the tests that he brings up is, do you have an honest confession about your sin when you are before, when you evaluate your life before God. So when you look at your life, do you honestly confess your sin before God? Or do you say that you do not have sin? Let's see what John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He writes, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the, one, of, one layer of assurance that we could have is how we look at sin in our life. Are we confessing it or are we not? The second test that John brings up is, do you love God by keeping his commandments? Do you love God by keeping his commandments? This is what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He writes, whoever says, I know him, 
but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So how you respond to the commandments of God will give you another layer of assurance in your relationship with him and the hope of eternal life. Do you want to keep his commandments because you love God, or do you just disregard them? The third layer of assurance that we could put onto our souls is, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you say about him? Uh, Is he truly God, truly man, and God's promised king? And the one way I really love looking at this, it's like a three-legged stool. Uh, He holds three offices. He's truly God, he's truly man, and he's God's promised king. Now, if I confess that, then I could add a layer of assurance to my soul that I know him, that I've been born of him. But if I take away one of those legs from the stool, the three-legged stool, if I say maybe he's not God or maybe he's not man, and I take away a stool, the moment I try to sit on that stool, I'm going to fall. In the same way, if I put my trust in a made-up Christ, he will not help me stand in the day of judgment. So John gives us a description of who Jesus is. He is truly God, truly man, and God's promised king. Do you believe that about Jesus? And the fourth test is the test that we're dealing with today. It's the love test. This is the third time that we see this test in this book. And it's, do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? And so the question I believe we will be answering from the text today is this. Why is exercising God's love towards other Christians essential for assurance? Why is exercising God's love towards other Christians essential for assurance? And we will see three reasons why from the text. Number one, God's love characterizes our relationship with Him in Christ. God's love, it describes the nature of our relationship with Him in Christ. Number two, God's love was manifested in the gracious sacrifice of His Son. God's love was revealed or shown in the gracious sacrifice of His Son. And number three, God's love is perfected in us as we imitate His love for one another. God's love is brought to completion in us when we imitate His love for one another. So let's take a look at God's love and how that helps us in our test for assurance. Let's read verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, what does John mean when he writes, God is love? God is love is a truth statement about God's nature and essence. John is telling us about who is God at the core of his being. Now, he's not saying that God is only love at the core of his being because John also tells us that God is light and God is spirit. But today we're focusing at the love aspect of his nature. But before we go there, 
What does John mean about God? We have to define what these words mean so we can fully understand and have full assurance. Um, so who is God according to John? And how is he loved before the creation of the universe? What was he loving before anything came to be? So we remember that in John's mind, God is triune, okay? And so the object of God's love from eternity is God. God loves himself. So how this works is it's, he's a triune, tripersonal God. So within the one being that is God, there exist eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And John is saying before there was ever creation, from eternity past, there is a perfect love being exercised between this community in the Trinity. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the person of their love. It is perfect, holy love from all eternity. So John is telling us when he's saying God is love, he's saying that God has always been and is now and always will be love. Since he is God, he doesn't change. His love is strong forever. He will never run out of love, nor will his love weaken in its strength towards you. He is love. But what kind of love is God identifying himself with? Is it the same when I say I love coffee? Is it the same when I say I love my wife? Is it the same when I say I love my friends? Is it the same when I say I love my, my jacket? No, this is not the kind of love God is talking about because we know we use the word love so much in our culture, but we all know that, you know, I love my wife way more than I love coffee. So what kind of love is he dealing with here, what we're dealing with here? The word John is using here is agape, okay, or unconditional love is the more popular title. This is a word that got its meaning from observing the life of Jesus and the self-giving of himself to his disciples, to those who are outsiders, and to those who are even his enemies. It is a personal, self-giving love for the benefit of other persons. It is given the title unconditional love because there is no condition or cause in the person receiving the love. So there is no condition or cause that a person may or may not do that will stop the one loving them from loving them. It is unconditional love. Jesus sees the need, and he fulfills the need by giving himself to that need. It's agape love. So God is love means within the Trinity, the one being God, he loves himself by the giving of himself for the good of the other persons perfectly. And this is who he always was, and this is who he will always be, independent of creation. So now we will see um, that God wants to share the overflow of this love with us who belong to Christ. Let me read again verses 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love 
does not know God because God is love. Now, how is it that God's love characterizes our relationship with him? Does he say that we are enemies? Does he say that we are strangers? Does he say that we are children of the world? In our text here, we get the word beloved. Such a beautiful word. It means that we are loved from the one who loves unconditionally. It's actually the same word that God the Father used for his son. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So being beloved is you are loved by God. You can say in the same way that Jesus was loved by his father. Another uh, way that God's love characterizes our relationship is that we're not strangers. It says that whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So God, he's not hidden and he's not far away, but that he made himself known to us. And so when we take on that nature of loving, God is saying you have been born of him and that you know him. This is who he is. This is his nature. And um, it also says that we have been born of him. And look what it says in 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. Being a child of God is taking the nature of who God is upon ourselves. It becomes a reality when we love our brothers and sisters. So here's a test. Ready? This is our test for today. Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? The same kind of love that he has for himself, the self-giving love. Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? So this is how it will define our relationship with him. There's only two options that we get in this passage. Either you know God and you've been born of him, or you don't know God. So if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you could be sure you don't know God. You can be sure you have not been born of him. If you do love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you can be sure that you do know him and that you are born of him. God's love has redefined our relationship with him from enemies and strangers to beloved children of God who knows him. And the fruit of that reality will show itself in God-like love towards other Christians. So how do I know that I've been born of God? I love my brothers and sisters. I love my brothers and sisters. So how is it that God can show us this much love? Well, it is found in God's gracious sacrifice of his only son for our sins. Let me read verses 9 through 11. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So first we saw how God's love characterizes our relationship with him. Now we are seeing how he showed us 
how he brought us near or how he brought us into that relationship with him. So where, where can you find God's love? Is it in prosperity? Is it in how healthy you are? Is it in how um, full you are? How blessed you are? Where can we say, wow, this is where God's love is shown? With assurance. How do we know? Well, we see it here. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. There's a need. What's the need? Well, if God did not send his son, we would not live. He sent his son, his only son, into the world because he wanted us to live. For example, like, let, me, uh, let me elaborate a little bit on this one. Okay, first of all, I would like us to see that God did not send an angel, that God did not send just a mere prophet. He sent himself to take care of the need. This is God giving his only son into the world. Did the world love Jesus when he came? No. Did the world deserve God's love? Was there something in the world that caused God to turn around and give himself to it? What do we know about the world? The world hates God. Do you remember? It says, do not be surprised that the world hates you. They have the spirit of Cain, the murderer. This is the the whole system of the world and what sin has done in the world. It has bent all of the hearts of people against God. And so if God was to just leave the world by itself, they would not live. They will not live. We will not live. Why? What is the punishment of sin? Death. And do you remember what we, we, have, we had our test earlier? If we say we have no sin, we are a liar. That's everybody. Everybody has sin. So the consequences without God's love would be death. Isn't it amazing that God would identify himself with love? Imagine for a moment that God would identify himself with justice. That justice will be the only motivating um, factor in his will that he will repay everyone for everything they've done. He's the God of justice. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't uh, uh, perform justice. We, we see that in this text. But it was love that actually moved him to justice. So let me... I know it's really hard. This was a really hard text, but I'm trying to get through it. Where's, where he, God is showing us how much he loves us. And so... The world, his enemies, deserve um, not an ounce of his love. But instead of just condemning them and destroying them, he actually sent his son, his only son, into the world so that we might live. Look at what Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says. But God showed his love for us, that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Okay, so in verse, um, back in our text, we saw that God, he, he loves the world and he wants to save us. He wants to make us live. But how does he make us live? Verse 10, in this is love. As if John was saying, you can't find love anywhere else like this. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation is such a beautiful word. It's where we, this is our gospel. Propitiation has the idea that God's holy wrath needs to be justified. And the only thing that could uh, satisfy his wrath is a sacrifice. So God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die in place of sinners so that we might live. Jesus, his only son, was sent to this world. Not that we loved God. We were sinners, and God made a way for us. He saw the need that we need a Savior. And so he gave himself for our sins to redeem us to himself. So what? So what? Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So this is where we get the motivation to love one another. We realize to ourselves that Jesus was sent to people who are undeserving, unlovable enemies of God, that God sent his only son to die in the place of these enemies so that we can turn around and do this command, let us love one another. Let us love one another. To remember that God was kind with us while we didn't deserve it. That he acted and he gave himself to loving us. We ought to turn around and love one another. Notice in verse 7, it was an invitation at first. He says, beloved, let us love one another. And then in verse 11, after hearing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins while we, didn't, we were enemies of God so that we might live through him, he turns around and makes it a command. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It is a sin if you don't love one another. That is so hard. How can we love like this? If we find ourselves, if we find ourselves hard to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, John is giving us... Um, a picture to go back to, and that is the gospel. Keep looking at the gospel to re-inspire, to re-motivate you to loving again. And number, so we saw that God's love characterizes our relationship with him. It defines the nature of it. What's the nature? Well, we have been born of God, and we know God now. We're not strangers, and we're not outsiders. We have been brought near. How did he do this? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The, the sin that was separating us from God, that caused us, we, we were enemies of God, Jesus died on the cross to make us children of God. And then now, how is God's love, uh, why is it important for our assurance? Well, then God's love is perfected in us as we imitate God's love for one another. Look at what he says in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So how is it that people can see God? And why, why does he bring up the fact that no one has seen God? When you love me, and I felt this love from this church many times, when you love me and you self-give to me, I experience and feel and know that God loves me. When I love you and I give myself back to you in self-giving love without seeking any repayment, but just to give myself to you, to you for the better, betterment of you, you should be experiencing God's love. And so we start to see God working in us when we love one another. Wow. So when he says that God's love is perfected, what he's saying is this is God's design for you. This is what God wants us to do. He, if we are not loving, then we are not, uh, be, his love is not being perfected in us. So, again, this is the test of assurance. How do you know that you know God had been born of him? Well, you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. I know it's kind of hard right now to not love each other because we're so separated and everything, but soon we will be together. Uh, there are ways to love. You know, here we were primarily talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should be the primary object of our love, but it's not exclusive. We also ought to love our enemies. To remember that in the gospel, it wasn't just God loving his people and his son, but he also loved his enemies. If, if there was no love for enemies, we would not be saved. So, um, how, is his, how is it perfected? Well, God abides in us. When we exercise his love, when we imitate his love for me, when I remember, wow, I have offended God so much, but he loves me. He is love. And every time I feel like he doesn't love me, well, I just go back to the gospel and I remember, wait, he died for my sins on the cross. Or if somebody offends me and I, it's hard for me to love them, I should love them anyway. Why? Remember the gospel. I've offended God. Remember the gospel. You have offended God, but he loves you, and he's given himself to you. So let us love one another. Let us love one another, for we have been greatly loved by God. Let us remember our relationship with God. We are beloved. We are children of God, and we know him. So we should be loving one another. Number two, let us remember how he showed his love, how great was his love, that he sent his son to die in the place of his enemies so that he might bring his enemies close to him and call them beloved. And in remembering that, let us go out and imitate God's love towards one another, perfecting his love in us as we imitate his love for us. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, only your spirit can take these words and plant them deep in our hearts. This love is so deep and so vast, Lord. We thank you for your spirit that we get to taste this love. We get to see this love in one another. We get to act out this love.
we get to see your love perfected in us. And I just pray, Lord, that you unite us in your love. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the boldness to love and the humility to love, to not hold grudges or to make people deserve love from us because we didn't deserve love from you. But you have given yourself. You have given your only son to die on the cross for our sins. And we know, Lord, that it is true because he rose again from the dead. So, Lord, help us to remember these. Help us to press it deep in our hearts. Help us not just to keep it in our brains, but to bring it down to our hearts so that we can live this out to please you, Lord, and to, to uh, have your love perfected in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.fountainoflifefellowship.com.